Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Steadily it rises. Public preference for Lincoln Continental as the symbol for today's luxury motoring. A car whose classic styling has already become a tradition, but a spirited, vibrant, forward-looking tradition. The more it grows and develops, the more it fulfills its original promise. 1965 is no exception. Hey, hey, it's Jason, ODB, a.k.a. The Lincoln Addict. Thank you so much for coming back and rocking with us here via the Lincoln Attic Podcast. This, I think, is episode 19, but on the last episode, I kind of talked about how I'm going to try to do seasons, and I guess this would be season one, episode two. It's going to kind of get confusing, I guess, but I'm going to stick with episode 19. Now, you kind of heard right there at the intro a little bit of something that might ring some bells from the old 60s. And uh, I got to thank Big Fancy Car, great channel. Uh, he had uploaded, I don't know where this came from, 1965 commercial, and that's where that audio came from. So uh, very excited to bring you guys and ladies a new episode. On this episode, I'm calling it a Lincoln Continental for 1965, kind of that old school spin. And I'm going to talk a lot about the 1965 Lincoln Continental that just so happens was introduced to the public today, September 26th, but all the way back in 1964. Uh, if you're new to the channel or the podcast, please subscribe and or follow. Many of you are on an iPhone. It's as easy as just, if you're listening, just make sure you tap follow or subscribe. And uh, if you're on an Android and you're maybe using Podbean or Google Podcasts or Spotify, you name it, just make sure you follow and or subscribe. That way you'll be notified when there's new episodes that are published. Now, I want to thank our sponsors here. We have two key sponsors. Number one is Jeff at Devious Customs. I've mentioned to you in the past, if you're looking for parts for your car, not so much like old school parts, but I'm talking new stuff, go to deviouscustoms.com. If you're looking to do maybe some Rustomod upgrades with brake kits, air suspension, you name it, go out there, deviouscustoms.com. He's got it. There's also a ton of products that he has coming that are in the works or going to launch soon. So for instance, 64, and we're going to talk about 65 on this episode, the dash, he's been working on a full billet replacement for the the main bezel in your dash. So a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, again, uh, you know, whether you're looking for something like gauges, air suspension, maybe to upgrade, so fuel injected, or just pieces such as like an antenna cover, if you want to take away your antenna on the car or something like the gauge cluster bezels, you can find it, deviouscustoms.com. Also want to give a huge shout out to Michael at coloradocustomwheels.com. You can go to Colorado Custom and email them. They're, of course, on Facebook. They're also on Instagram. They are the makers of the Lincoln Continental Replica Wheels, and these wheels look exactly like the hubcaps, specifically the ones that they made are kind of like for the 64-65 look, and uh, you can get it from 17 on up in terms of sizes. I'm sure they'd make 15s as well, but uh, go out to Colorado Custom. Uh, it is kind of a one-off style wheel, so it's not super cheap, but I love the set that I have. It keeps the hubcaps from falling off, and it looks just like the factory. ColoradoCustom.com. So as I mentioned on this episode, it's really going to be about the 65 because it ties in nicely to the date, again, September 26th of 1964 when that car was introduced and there's a lot to talk about. Now, before I jump in, I wanted to kind of just let everyone know my recent adventures. I mean, this year has been fantastic as far as being able to travel for some car and truck shows. Of course, if you love, you know, some of you guys are kind of mini truckers or you have a little bit of, um, you know, history with the trucks. You know, I've been doing that stuff for 25 years, going to the truck shows and things like that. And uh, certainly appreciate some of the mini truckers like my friend Ruben Artiaga. That helps us over at Our Lifestyle Podcast. Certainly appreciate them uh, listening over here. They've been working on a Lincoln as well, and uh, that's pretty cool stuff. So, wanted to thank everyone for continuing to come back. But you know, my adventures lately have you know led me to various shows. Whether I'm out there selling merchandise for Our Lifestyle Podcast, you know, representing the truck scene, taking photos, videos, so on and so forth. I share a lot of that over on Our Lifestyle Podcast on uh, Facebook or Instagram. But 
Uh, recently, for Street Trucks Magazine, I write a monthly column there. I was able to go out to California, and I just had a blast. I had never been that far north in California, and it was Woodland, California. I was out there for C10 Intervention. Man, I love the whole C10 family. There's a tight-knit group of different clubs that make up that whole truck scene. So the cool thing was, the reason why I'm talking about it, when I was out there, I got a chance to link up with one of the Suicide Kings, and uh, I got to really thank him. Uh, He drove upwards almost about two hours, I think it was, uh, to come and hang out. And, um, you know, I certainly appreciate that. Now, David, he has a couple of different cars, and the one that I always remember is CIX, CIX, and then number three, Continental on Instagram, and um, you'll see in his bio, he has the hashtag CIX number three, CIX two, and then CIXX three. That ties into these different cars that he owns. You know, obviously, I kind of I kind of understood that because I was like, okay, six three, okay, CIX. But when I got a chance to link up with them, I saw his tag on the car was CIX, and that I think is what sparked um, you know him running with that whole naming convention. But a really good dude. Uh, he's part of Suicide Kings, as I had mentioned, NorCal president, I believe it was, and uh, just a real good dude. When he came down in the car, drove a couple hours, like I said, and we just had a great time. He came and hung out on, I want to say it was Saturday. So the 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 main drag was getting ready to be shut down from like three to six, and then it was gonna at six o'clock or so. The cruise was gonna start through this whole one mile downtown stretch of this little town in Woodland. So David hung out for the majority of the part of the day, and then it was pretty cool when he got a chance to leave. He drove right down the main street. There's like no cars around, so I took some cool video. I've been kind of working on that, and I'll get that out to everyone, but. A uh, real passionate guy. Again, he has a couple of cars. He he dabbles in working on them, restoring them. But uh, one of the videos I had shared was a reel. Uh, if you go out to Instagram, look up Lincoln Addict, and uh, you can tap on the icon underneath our bio. It looks like a little um, play button, and that'll show you all the reels. And uh, you'll see the video that I had posted. Um, I put some California hip-hop music to it. And uh, it's got about 10,000 views. So check it out. Real good dude. Shout out. Tip of the cap to Suicide Kings. Good uh, you know, bunch of kinfolk out there in California. A. Now, the other cool thing was about being out there, I uh, got a chance to link up with J.J. Cummings. And J.J. is a super cool dude. Uh, his wife, Nikki, she also came out. Her name's Nicole, but I think she goes by Nikki. She also came and hung out. They have an absolute beautiful 64 Lincoln Continental sedan. Great color on this. Kind of a, I don't know, maroon, root bearish color. I'll probably mess that up. But he, of course, has worked on this car a long time. It has the pillar delete. Has wide, white, wild tires, air suspension. The car just rode so fantastic. And it was really just a joy to hang out with them. He's one of those guys that kind of has some of the mini truck connections. So, you know, we knew, you know, he was going to some of the shows that I knew about 20 years ago and things like that. So really, really great people. They gave me a ride back to the hotel about 20 miles away, it seemed like, on Saturday night. So big ups uh, to JJ and Nikki for coming over and hanging out. Man, absolutely love the car. And uh, it's just, it's awesome. You know, it makes you want to just cruise when you ride in something so cool. So thanks to those guys. Now, the other cool thing was... There was a, a guy that I ran into on, I think it was Saturday. So Saturday was, no, maybe it was Sunday. Saturday was the cruise at C10 Intervention. And then Sunday was this car show kind of lining down the street. Now, what was ironic was when I was um, you know walking to the show where we parked on, it was either Saturday or Sunday, I ran into a guy, I saw this beautiful 66 convertible and I was like damn whose is that and I saw the guy kind of walking away from the car and he had a Phillies hat on and I was thinking to myself okay that's kind of a similar color to the car looks like a guy that would drive one of these cars so I was like yo man is that your Lincoln over there and of course he said yeah that's my car and I was like man that thing is nice and I ended up tagging him his name is Mike Pendergast 
And um, it just, I mean, just a, a beautiful 66 convertible. I mean, I have, n- in my in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen one so clean. Uh, kind of the maroon color interior looked amazing. And that was the third Lincoln that I got a chance to see or take photos when I was out there. So it was a blast. But basically, just want to kind of sum up, recent adventures over in California were great. Earlier this year, I got a chance to hang out with John at Stinkin' Lincoln. So I've been West Coast, I've been up to the North, and then a couple weeks ago, Blair and I, we went down to Tom Bennett's, uh, one of my good friends in the truck scene, and then of course into cars, got a beautiful 65, speaking of 65s, and he needed uh, uh, some help with kind of, um, you know, like a top tune-up. So Blair uh, took on that job, we were going down there to pick up an old school outboard motor, and everything just worked out. That uh, we could line up. There was a little picnic going on that Sunday, which is uh, trucks and cheeseburgers. So we got a chance to go to Tom's, hang out on Saturday, and uh, Blair did his thing on the top, got it all working good. Tom was uh, was was happy with all the service, and then boom, on uh, we picked up that outboard motor, came back Sunday. Man, it was a blast. So it's just been awesome to link up with so many Lincoln owners, try to help people out when we can. And uh, just do the damn thing and and make content, which is where we are today, be recording this new episode. Now, I do have some audio that I'm going to use on the next couple of episodes. So I've been working back with some guests. So that'll be coming. This episode, I'll just be going through uh, some key stuff, including the 65s, as I mentioned. Now, the previous episode recap, man, short and sweet, Rusty, they came on. Kind of waited a little bit longer than I should have to got to, to nail that audio down. They were right on the cusp of Ratfest. And if you go out on Instagram and follow the Raddies, R-A-T-T-Y-S, you can get a glimpse into their Ratty world. They uh, hosted this event. A lot of people came out. Tony, his girlfriend as well. They went out there and they had an absolute blast for a couple of days just hanging out. And then, of course, they had their big shindig. So uh, go back, check it out. Rusty uh, talked a lot about the event, and you could imagine basically in a year from then they're they're going to do it again. So they do different stuff. They've done the Vegas takeover, but I'm excited to to really try to do everything I can to get out there next year when they do Ratfest because Tony went out there just had a blast, and I love Lincoln's. So anywhere there's a bunch of Lincoln's getting together and great people, sign me up. Now, I mentioned this episode, uh, really excited to talk about 65, um, just an amazing year car for the Lincoln Continentals, and it was introduced uh, to the public in 1964, and it was on September 26th, so, you know, basically, if you're a day one listener, you know, it was introduced today, all those years ago, so I'll be talking about uh, the 65s here in just a few minutes. So I'll be talking about the 65s now, and... On this episode, I'm kind of going to replace the the normal Lincoln Life updates, what I call them, which is just general stuff that I've got going on or that I've seen. The Lincoln Life updates are going to be replaced with the 65 Lincoln Continental, and uh, I'm so excited to talk about this amazing car, and I want to thank Steel Rubber for all of the continued support. I've told you guys before, Steel Rubber makes the best products in the business to seal your car up. You want to be sealed with steel. You can check that hashtag. There's a lot of owners out there from RVs to to old school hot rods to classic cars like what we love. S-T-E-E-L-E rubber.com or tap on the hashtag sealed with steel. That's S-T-E-E-L-E. Great people. You can go to steelrubber.com and request a free mini catalog. They'll mail that out to you. Uh, You can also check out all of the different pieces that you need for these cars if there is a, a chance that there's a piece that's not made, you can contact them, and generally speaking, they'll do everything they can to make that piece. But for the majority of the 61 through 67 Lincolns, they make a lot of the parts for them. I'm working on some videos I'll be sharing soon, and uh, excited to kind of show you guys how easy it is to install some of these pieces, especially the door moldings. So on September 26, 64, Lincoln introduced the 65 Lincoln Continental. This has always kind of been interesting to me because each OEM kind of seemed to introduce their line of vehicles like differently or different times of the year. Now, uh, there is an amazing website some of you guys know about, and um, thanks to this website, 
a lot of this information has been compiled and made readily available to you, me, anyone. And um, it's a free website. It's automotivemileposts.com. And uh, they have a ton of different uh, information out here. In fact, their main website says restoration data and history for classic cars of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, okay? I could spend all day out here roaming around the Lincoln section, looking at individual years, and so on. So if there's information that's intriguing to you here, you can go out to the site and check it out. It's going to help me, or it has helped me, compile this information for this episode, Lincoln Continental for 65. Now, the production started, I mean, these are things that you, you wouldn't really be able to know unless someone's done the research and, and, and listed this somewhere. But the production started August 3rd of 1964. The production ended July 9th of 1965. So kind of that year span or so, about 11 months. And that kind of gives a little bit of idea that if they started on August 3rd, the car was, quote, introduced, which I take that as you know, publicly introduced. I don't think necessarily they were at dealerships then. I kind of came to that conclusion because I have a 64 press kit. I've shared those photos last year. And I think the press kit, I got to go back and look at it, but I think the dates, like it was dated in, in September and it talked about when the Lincoln would be available at the dealership, which I believe was October. So when I say it was introduced, I think that was like publicly, maybe in newspaper ads, magazine ads, uh, you know, commercials, whatever you want to say, like the press wise, they introduced it and said, Hey, here it is. Here's what it looks like. Here are the changes. Here's the marketing piece, right? But production again started August 3rd, 64, and then it went until July 9th of 65. So, one thing that's always intriguing to me, we often hear, you know, there weren't many of these cars made. And it seems like over the years, like more and more pop up. They're found in barns. You know, people unfortunately pass away, and the family says, hey, I want to sell one. But you had Lincoln Continental sedans. They were priced at $6,292, and they weighed about 5,075 pounds. They built 36,824 of those. So if you own a 65 sedan, you are one of 36,824 that were produced, okay? We all know there's way less than those you know, still out there. I've heard people like John Cashman theorize you know, how many are really on the road and or you know, non-parts cars or sitting in a field. And, and everybody has their, you know, calculation. Um, I think there was a guy or maybe someone in the suicide slabs that was doing like a database to try to track, you know, how many are out there. But I mean, I think you could easily say it's way less than half of that, I would think. Now, the Lincoln Continental convertibles, those were, believe it or not, only about $500 more, $6,798. They weighed about or exactly 400 pounds more and they built 3,356. So a far cry from the 37,000-ish of the sedans, 3,356 convertibles. Those came in at $6,798. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, but if you do the equation, I mean, it's, it, it is a lot for that time period. There were 50 limos uh, built and those were considered the executive limousines. $14,153, so more than a double, and they weighed 5,791 pounds, so another uh, few hundred pounds from the convertibles, which to me is kind of mind-blowing because you would think it would be a lot more, and sometimes I think like, well, if it's convertible, it doesn't have the roof on it, you know, the, the like the, the sedan would have, so you would think it would be maybe way less. That's not the case. Of course, you've got all of the different framing and stuff for the convertible to operate and whatnot. So um, there's some of the numbers. Basically, you come to a total production of 40180 and that's for 65 So if you own a limo, a sedan, or a convertible, you're one of 40180 Now, on the Automotive Mile Post site, one of the cool things I like is under the production numbers, they kind of break down the VIN number plate. So Oftentimes, if you're looking to purchase one of these cars, have the person take a photo inside the door of that VIN plate, right? The vehicle, 
identification number plate, and you could go to this website and you can kind of decode, if you will, um, those numbers and letters and whatnot. So, for instance, when you look at the VIN number, on, in, the, in this case, it's a 5Y number. The 5 is the year for 65. The second digit, the Y, was the assembly plant, which my understanding, they were all made in Wixom, Michigan. Number 3 and number 4, that 82, um, which is in this example of this VIN, that was the uh, body style. So, 8-2 stood for the four-door sedan. 8-6 was the four-door convertible. I'm guessing they didn't have a designation or it's not listed here for the limousine because they were kind of not necessarily one-off, but obviously you heard the numbers. They were a lot uh, less produced. Now, digit 5 was the, um, for instance, here is an N. Engine code N was 430 cubic inch for a V8, 430, of course. Uh, digit 6 through 11, so in this case, it's like 400001. Consecutive unit number starts at 4 and then all. So that's basically the number, my understanding, that it came off the assembly line. And then it kind of goes on to say, this is the stuff I always like to look at. Above the VIN number on that same plate, you have these different codes. So the body, 53A, was Lincoln Continental four-door sedan. 74A was the four-door convertible. You had the color code. This one's Madison Gray. Trim 86, that meant black leather pleated design bench seat. Date 02A was January 2nd of 64. Basically the day of the month, 02, and then the letter represented the month. So in this case, A was January. Now DSO is a key one. That's the home office reserve. So if you didn't know, you can look at that and see where did that car originally go to. So let's say Denver... Los Angeles, so on and so forth. It kind of gave a des designation of where that car was going to land up at. Doesn't tell you which dealership sold it, but in the case of looking for maybe a Southern California car, you would want to have one that has the code that represents that Los Angeles or San Diego area. And then you have the axle number, which here is one, and then trans, a four for the twin range turbo drive. So all this information, again, is available on the website, and I'm just going to kind of go through it because it, it'll get a little bit more interesting here as we go through. Now, why do people love the 65 so much? You know, to me, it's the best out of the five from 61 through 65, okay? In that each year, obviously, things improve. So you had extra leg room added in 64 in the rear. So naturally, same body style, 65, it also enjoyed that feature. The front end is one year only as the rear bumper inserts in the trim on the deck lid as well. Kind of some of those things you'll see one year only and we'll talk more about some of that stuff. Now 65 was of course the final year of the body style which was introduced in 61. The external styling changes were highly visible this year. They included one of the key things is the uh, front fender mounted parking lights and the ribbed chrome trim on the taillights, which I refer to oftentimes as the cages that are on the rear taillights. Now, when you're looking at these cars, I talked about in a previous episode, and you're looking at the side view of them. The first thing I always look at if you're trying to tell a one through a five is the flat glass. So when you see the flat glass, you know it's a four or five, okay? Then you look at the fender, and if it has the turn signal, and the front fender, then you know it's the five, not the four, right? So talking about the 65 specifically, from a side view, you can easily tell if it's that. I've only seen one car recently where uh, there was a rendering, a really badass rendering. And the guy, he posts it and he goes, hey, here's a 65 Lincoln. And, and the guy, everybody's going, no, it's a 64. And he's like, no, it's a 65. And they argued over it, and basically the argument was that the owner of the car changed or shaved, which we call in the mini truck world, hot rod world, changed the front turn signal. So whether he put on a new fender, which I highly doubt, but let's say he shaved it or he cut another fender, I don't see why someone would do that. I mean, I kind of like the 64 that it's clean, but I've only seen that one time, so bottom line is... If you see that turn signal on the front and it's the flat glass, you know it's, of course, the 65. That's the easiest way for me to tell. Now, uh, the 65 models are considered by many to be the best of the series. 
I know there's people out there that love the ones, twos, and threes. I really like those cars too, right? The dashes were different. There was, you know, the 61 was the first new year, uh, new model. Uh, Tony and I have always, you know, Tony being the big homie, we've always loved the 64, 65s because, I mean, dude, the dashes in those in those cars to me are just phenomenal. Love the dash in those cars. I I personally like the flat glass. I know there's some people that say, you know, the curved glass is more, you know, more luxurious. I've seen, you know, people comment that, and I'm not going to argue with that. But when I look at them, I mean, I really love the 64, and I really love the 65. And out of the two, I mean, I have a 64, and I love it. So, you know, but to me, I got the same amount of love for a 4 and a 5. That's just the bottom line. Now, of course, some of the parts are kind of one year only. We'll talk about some of that stuff, but, you know, for the most part, they're both awesome years. Now, talking about the 65 Lincoln, there were basically a a few features that were new to 65, and this is always intriguing to me because you'll walk up on a car, especially all these years later, and you'll look and kind of go, now, I wonder what was really an option, and these cars were obviously high-end, so a lot of the features that might be not even available in other OEMs were available stock for a Lincoln Continental, for instance, like the uh, the automatic locking doors, right? So you could, you know, you could lock and unlock your doors. You didn't have to do it manually. They were vacuum controlled, but, you know, you could basically, you didn't see that. I think even some of the Cadillacs, they didn't even have that option. But Lincoln had it as a factory, boom, out the gate. But some of the things that were new were the ventilated front disc brakes, so oftentimes you'll see people that are looking for the front spindles of a 65 because they want to upgrade their 1 through 4 to the disc brake conversion, right, and kind of keep it OEM. There was a factory vinyl roof option, fender-mounted parking light, as I had mentioned on the front, ribbed chrome trim on the taillights, which I refer to as cages, transistorized ignition option, emergency flasher option, which is super rare, and spare tire, tire relocation kit option. Now, the emergency flashers, to me, this is crazy. I helped Tony one time. He had broken down in his red 65 sedan. Love that car. Car lost all power. Okay? Car was in the street. It was dusk dusk time and it started to get dark. If you don't have a way, a light or something to kind of say, hey, I'm in the middle of the road, it's very dangerous. So... Most of these cars do not have the emergency flasher option. There's a few things out there. Um, You can find them. They're really rare. Uh, You could obviously get an aftermarket kit and splice it in. But highly suggest that you go get maybe one of those like little roadside kits that has a bag where you can uh, just push a button and like turn on a flasher. You'll see them like, you know, the trucker sometimes like when they are on the side of the road, they'll put out the little... Uh, diamond orange things that have reflectors on them, but they even have different things too that are battery operated. Trust me, you don't want to be stuck in the middle of the road without flashers. And it's hard to believe that these cars, like in the 60s, that a lot of cars didn't have flashers. Um, And you kind of go, wow, if you break down and it's dark out, it sucks. So that was a feature. Again, you'll find them out there once in a blue moon. They're well over $300 and I believe in 65, it literally was just a little wire kit. You unplug one thing, you splice it in, just plug and plug, and then boom, you have flashers on your car. I think 64, people have done different things, but I believe 65 was the first year that they were offered factory. Now, other rare options include the vertically adjustable steering column that was introduced in 64. The automatic speed control looks a little bit different in 65. It also included a backlighting, so it made it a little bit easier if it was dark for you to be able to adjust it, had that little bit of light coming through. Automatic headlamp dimmer. Contour front seat option with center console is also, of course, seldom seen. That was introduced in 64 as well, but those were a few of the options. Now, there is a full list on this website, and I won't go through everything, but like as an example, uh, air conditioning was $500, right? That was the most expensive option on these cars. That's why you will see these cars often without AC. No big deal, but it was a $500 option back there, and a lot of people didn't want to splurge potentially for that. Uh, The individual contour front seats 
also known as bucket seats, those were only $281. So it's crazy to see now they'll go $2,000 to $3,000 for a set. They're pretty rare. Uh, you had AM, FM, push-button radio, tinted glass, which required the air conditioning. So oftentimes you'll, be, you'll see someone that's looking for the non-tinted glass for their build or their restoration, um, and that was in the non-AC cars. There's other stuff out there, and um, like locking gas cap, $3.20, floor mats, stuff like that. Now, one that I wanted to point out, that if I remember correctly, the rear seat belts, I believe, was a first in 65. So I've seen 65s that didn't have rear seat belts, and I've seen other people that have taken seat belts from the rear of a 65. So maybe it was just an option, and maybe it was just something that was introduced a little bit later in the year, but um, I don't see that on the list here, but I do believe 65 rear seat belts was a first, I believe. Some features were automatic on the convertibles like the leather. That was automatic if you got a convertible. If you didn't have a convertible, uh, it was $100 more for leather. And I take that back. The rear seat belts, they were listed as on here. I was looking for S. It was under R for rear seat belts. Those were $24.98 pretty rare if you have those in your 65 or if you've purchased those from you know one of the parts guys out there uh, to install in your 65. All right so continuing to talk about the 65 Lincoln Continental let's talk about the paint. So there were 21 colors with uh, which included six new colors for 65. The site has them all listed but basically you have Torino Turquoise Metallic. You have Peru um, you had a gold metallic, willow gold, heather metallic, Spanish moss, charcoal frost metallic, and rose beige metallic. And there was... Yeah, the rose beige metallic was T-Burn only color, which was a special order for the Lincoln. So there, basically there's 21 colors, and a lot of them, you know, you're going to see the black ones, the red ones, so on and so forth. But there were other colors out there. And you can imagine someone going to the dealership in late 64 sometime in the beginning half of 65, and they were looking to order a car. You know, a lot of people, maybe the, the husband wanted a certain color, and the, and the wife's like, well, no, I want to get this. You know, it's probably a family-type decision, but um, I'll tell you, uh, Felix out there, for instance, uh, on Instagram, uh, type in Felix, and you'll see uh, his, uh, it's LaFour Lincoln Parts. I think I'm saying that right. We're going to have Alex, going to have Felix on in the future, but like his car, uh, amazing 65, love that color. That's one of those colors that immediately when you see it, it makes you think of that era. So uh, just, you know, really awesome colors from that year. Now, a few color names changed from 64, even though the paint codes and formula did not. For instance, the silver blue became Madison Gray. Regal Turquoise became Teal. Nocturne Blue, which I love, became Nocturne Blue. Although this was, um, although this one could be a misprint in either the 64 or 65 brochure, because basically what it was, they just added the E to the end of it. The paint chip shows uh, Nocturne, N O C T U R N E. I believe the Nocturne, that's the color of the um, Lincoln that was in Goldfinger, right? That darker blue is, is my uh, recollection. So a lot of cool colors out there for 65 to choose from. Some are way more rare than others, and some are rare with, like, for instance, the, the paint color with the interior color. And an example of that, uh, if you type in on Instagram LCOC and you look up LCOC Western, okay, I really love what Jim and Basil and all of these guys do. They're, of course, you know, Lincoln Continental Owners Club, but, you know, they, they have a YouTube channel. Uh, they're just doing fantastic things out there. And I love some of the ride-alongs that they've done. They went and they did a video about a year ago, and it was a 64, and the interior and the exterior of the car, I believe, is the only one probably in the world that still exists. I don't even know how many of those there were, but... Um, butterscotch and then the color you know just amazing car right an older a lady owns it out in california and that's one you want to check out on their youtube channel okay if you go and you follow on instagram lcoc western 
you'll see a photo of it, and it says we went off roading in this gorgeous '64. A new video for our uh, film that they were filming for their LCOC series. So, uh, really, really cool stuff, and um, just love what these guys do. There's a lot of cool photos out there, but if you watch that video. The owner will talk a little bit about that color combination with the interior combination is super rare and uh, awesome stuff. So just to kind of go the next level, you know, you might have a rare color car, but if you have a rare interior as well, boom, it makes it more rare, right? A rare bird, as they say. Okay, so interior trim, I won't spend maybe as much time here, but basically for 65, Lincoln offered two seating configurations, right? We talked about that. We all know the bench seat. And then the adjustable front contour, which I refer to as bucket seats, that also included the center console and fold-down armrest. Uh, three fabrics were standard, Largo cloth, a new monochromatic fabric, and then another fabric, uh, moray, I believe is how you say it, an embossed cloth, and then a wool broadcloth, the classic material chosen for luxury car interiors for many years. A new low-luster finish on leather interiors was introduced in '65. Leather was provided at no additional charge, as I mentioned on, the, on uh, the convertibles. It was a $100 option for sedans, which doesn't seem like a lot of money now. Uh, two new styles were available. A rollover pleat style for the bench seat interiors was upholstered in that moray fabric. And then wool broadcloth or leather in a biscuit design style for lar Largo cloth interiors. And cars equipped with the optional contour front seats which were available in Largo cloth or on sedans only or leather on the sedan and convertible. 65, you basically had a bunch of different colors, you know, black, burgundy, red, Palomino. And Palomino is the color that the lady has in the 64 that I mentioned. So she has the butterscotch paint and then the Palomino interior, which is really rare together. But aqua, silver blue, beige blue, white, green, and ivy gold. The green and ivy gold colors were new in 65, and the rose beige was no longer offered. So some pretty cool stuff. There's a ton out there. I mean, you can imagine uh, how many different color combinations. I just love that you could get the different options in 65, especially the sedans. Uh, the convertible tops were black, white, tan, or blue. Vinyl roofs were black, white, brown, blue, or ivy gold. And again, there's just a ton of stuff out there. There's even some cool you know, stuff you know, different photos and stuff that they've really kind of put together, which I love seeing. And, uh, you know, from the different brochures and everything. Now, I wanted to circle back briefly talking about the standard equipment. There was a lot of it in these cars, and I'll hit upon a few of those, right? So you'll see a Lincoln oftentimes, and a lot of them look the same. So you'll see a 65 or a 64, and you walk up, and if you're not like a Lincoln enthusiast, you might have a hard time going, well, what was really like a feature? They had pretty much everything. So like electric powered windshield washer fluid. Uh, it had a 42 amp alternator, a trip odometer, low light fuel warning, center armrest front and rear, remote control side view mirror, uh, turn signals, dual headlamps, electric clock, low fuel or uh, low flow oil filter, dual rear seat ashtrays with cigarette lighters, right? I mean, we're talking... The creme de la creme. Those were standard options, but there were a few that were new for 65, so I'll point these out. You had the power ventilated front disc brakes, as I had mentioned. You also had, which I didn't talk about earlier, the power window bypass control. So this allows for if the car is not turned on, let's say you're at a picnic, and it starts to rain, instead of having to reach in or sit down and turn the car on and start it, you could hit the bypass switch, open the door, hit the bypass switch, and then you could roll the windows up. Retractable front seat belts, Largo cloth and leather biscuit, as I had mentioned, design interiors in six colors, uh, different fabrics, and then the low luster leather rollover pleat upholstery in 11 colors, standard on the convertibles only. So this is some of the detail, kind of reinforcing the reason why I wanted to mention some of this is, you could imagine these cars are introduced in 61 with this body style, and you kind of say, well, man, what really changed? You know, what was the mindset of the OEMs back in that era? Like, what were they, you know, was it just feedback from, you know, ladies that were driving the cars that said, you know, I hate this, I hate that. It kind of gives some insight into how they tried to make them safer, right, with the rear seatbelts, 
of course, with the front disc brakes and things such as that. But also, you could imagine you probably had people that were saying, hey, I want to be able to roll my windows up without turning the car on. Or I want to you know, be able to easily set the speed control at night. It's hard to see, you know, those type of things. Yeah, and then another one was the instrument panel map light connected to courtesy light circuits. So that was kind of like when you would open the door, it would give you additional lighting. Uh, love the 64, 65 dashes, but you had that map light up there. And it basically what it was is when you were traveling, you didn't have phones, you had an atlas or a map and you would you know, push that switch and that light would come on. So in 65, as an example, when you open the door, one of the doors, that light comes on additional lighting in there for the driver or passengers to, to get in there. There's a ton of stuff out here. I mean, we could, I could spend all day going through it, but I kind of went through some of the bigger stuff that I wanted to mention. And, um, man, 65 is just an amazing year. Now, I'm not going to go over the limos and the um, kind of the show cars that they had built, but, you know, for the most part, you know, many people look at the, the, the Lincolns and they go, man, 65 is the year. You know, 66 and 67, I love those cars more than the average person, okay? I, I would always hashtag best year Lincoln if it's a six or seven, and some people are like, oh, are you serious? That's crazy. I can't believe that. Am I messing around a little bit? Yeah, I think in my head because I love those cars, right? But at the same time, if you really went one through seven and you had uh, a survey, which maybe we'll do in the Lincoln Addict podcast um, or the Lincoln Addict Facebook group and see where people land, you know, are they, do they love the 61 because of the new front end? You know, are the two and three, you know, more closer to their heart because it's kind of like what JFK would ride in? Um, you know, 64, is it just that one? Because it's like, hey, side glass is flat. Love the dash. You know, what year is it? You know, to me, by the time they got to 65, they had worked out some of the kinks. They had offered more options that we saw, you know, like, for instance, safety. It's like, hey, flashers, things like that. That stuff is key. But then you get the 66, 67, and they fixed more things. Like, for instance, John Cashman, anyone will tell you if you've got a convertible, you need to install that bar or install a bar that goes between um, the convertible, the convertible setup in the trunk, right, and and it keeps it from potentially uh, breaking any of those cast pieces, right? And you've seen a lot of those, and I'll I'll talk about that on another episode. But you know they had figured out that hey that could break, so in sixty six sixty seven you have that big welded piece that's there, and you don't have to go and install it. It's easy to do, but those are some of the things that as time goes on, just like now, I mean cars you would think are safer now. I mean, we pretty much know that. They're, they're safer now than they were 50 years ago. Now, some people will say, hey, they're not built the same and all this, but I've seen people in classic, beautiful cars get in car accidents, and the cars were not really set up for accidents, right? I mean, they're classic cars, different time, different era, but you'll look at a car crash today, and people walk away from stuff, and you're just like, wow, right? Because there's so much more safety and all that stuff put in. So to me, again, one through threes, they hold a special place in my heart, but uh, 64, 65 are just on top. Um, and then 66, 67, I love. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd almost put it up there with the same love that I've got for 4 and 5. But I think the styling of the 4 and 5 and then combined with the dash, that puts it over the top for me in, uh, versus 6, 6 and 6, 7. But again, I have a 67 and I love those things. So it's kind of like I wake up one day and I like this. Next day I like that. That's just the way it goes. So... Those are a couple of things about the 64, or excuse me, the 65 Lincoln Continental. Uh, love these cars, and um, I'm going to share some more information here as we move ahead in the podcast. All right, so no real movement with uh, cars for sale. I am helping broker a deal right now um, for a convertible that a lady is looking to sell, and I have a buyer. I made one phone call, and the person said, I want it. I just need more photos. So I'm going to I'm going to see how that goes. If that works out, then that car will not be for sale. It'll be the quickest sale ever. If it falls through with this person, I will put it out on my Lincoln Continental sales page via Instagram and some of the other social media platforms, and I'll get that out there. These cars are awesome, but they often need a lot of love, and I always tell people 
do your research, get in the LincolnForum.net, listen to this podcast, get on the different Facebook social media pages, learn as much as you can because there's not a Lincoln mechanic in every part of the world that knows these cards inside and out. I've learned a lot from Blair and Teresa and John Cashman and Chris Dunn and Tony Bolin, all of these people, Kelly over at Old Lincoln Parts, a lot of good people that have put in the work over the years to figure these things out. And, uh, you know, now these cards have been around a long time and it's, hey, just trying to help people through this podcast not make bad decisions by buying cars that aren't going to be nice down the road or not going to be able to be restored. Okay, so keeping back, kind of getting back on track to the normal theme of this um, podcast, the next thing I want to cover is Lincolns and movies. So recently I expanded it to movies, TV shows, hell, even music videos. And this is one that I stumbled across recently. And, oh, my God, dude, it is insane. Not the best ending. Does anyone remember the 1971 movie Chrome and Hot Leather? About 50 years ago, there's a movie that launches, and there's a scene that includes a couple of hot chicks and a biker gang. And let's just say there's no happy ending in this one, okay? I'm going to have to share it on social media. The... um. On YouTube, Big Fancy Car is a great channel. He had a blog a long time ago, and I found him through Google Search. Uh, he you know, really did great on his blog. It's still out there. And he did a great job of compiling different videos and content, um, including at the beginning when you heard that Lincoln uh, Continental commercial. So you know, some of the stuff is going to come from his channel, and I certainly appreciate that. But he also had compiled different... Um, Scenes from movies, right? Like Goldfinger. Uh, this one is labeled on YouTube, 1962 Lincoln Continental Sedan Car Chase. Now, the bad thing is, in the title, it doesn't say chrome and hot leather, but in the description, it actually does. And it says, a 62 Lincoln Continental Sedan is chased down and driven off the road by a group of bikers taken from chrome and hot leather, 1971. So, it's about a four and a half minute clip. Kind of hard to watch, I'll be totally honest. I mean... You kind of know what's coming in Goldfinger, you know, and you're like, eh, okay, you're braced for it. But this this gets a little bit crazy, you know. Um, there were people on here debating whether it was a 62 or 63. I mean, clearly you can see um, from the grill it's a 62. I call it the kind of the rectangles that are in the grill. And um, it's a tough one to watch. So that's the one for this week or this episode for Lincolns. And the movies, TV shows, and music videos, check it out. 1962 Lincoln Continental Sedan Car Chase on YouTube. All right, so next, Project Smugglers Blues update. So I haven't done much to the car. I've literally just been busy going to some shows, doing the family stuff, working, doing all the normal stuff, right? Working on the other podcast. So I don't have much to share. I did cruise the car one day, and I will tell you the car did break down. Okay, the reason why I'm telling you that is because no one's immune to breaking down in these cars. Okay, everything on my car has been upgraded. I started the car that day and the battery sounded weak, and I was like, hmm, okay, it's a red top. I love red tops, contrary to what other people say. I love red top batteries, I've never had an issue with them. I disconnect my battery, the negative terminal. Okay. I have not been leaving a battery tender on it, but I will going forward, okay? I leave one on my other truck. I'm going to start leaving one on my Lincoln, all right? So basically what happened is I started the car and I was like, man, that battery sounded kind of weak. I'm like, eh, I got a high output alternator. It'll be fine. I was going to go to Cars and Coffee, roll solo, drive to the fuel gas station, put in some non-ethanol fuel, went to start it, and I was like, it barely started. I'm like, this battery is like dead, dead. So I thought to myself, I should have brought my jump box. I'll run home and snag it, and then I'll just keep going. I'll go to the Cars and Coffee anyways, right? So I got uh, two turns away from my house several weeks ago, and the car just died. Okay, I think it just stalled out, and normally you just would fire it back up. Well, it wouldn't fire up because the battery was literally dead as a doornail. So I towed the car home. That took, um, you know, just a couple minutes. 
you know, called the wife. She brought the truck real quick. Boom, got the got the car home in, in no time. Throw jumper cables on it. Fires right up. Put my uh, power probe. Of course, battery's like almost dead. So back it into the shop. Take the battery out or disconnect it. Throw my battery tender. Now I have a specific battery tender for it. I have the Optima battery tender. So. I have went and spent the $100 or $130 over the years through Amazon, and I actually bought the official Optima battery charger. I did that because I've got plenty of Optimas, and you'll hear some people say, oh, you can't use a regular battery charger, blah, 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 all this crap. So I said, all right, I'm going to get, I've been using these batteries a little over 20 years, and I've never, ever had an issue now. I'll tell you, if these batteries die and they die a couple times or three, four times or whatever, I've seen them where they won't come back. But you kind of know if you've got a draw on something and you leave it hooked up and it draws to zero and then eventually you just can't get it to come back. I've killed some Optima batteries, but I kind of knew that like, hey, there was an issue and I just didn't deal with it. Now I'm like, okay, I disconnect my battery. For whatever reason, the battery was low still. Okay. And I did not leave that thing connected last time. So what I did this time, disconnected it, throw the Optima battery charger on it. It keeps it at 100%. Started it up the other day, fires right up, drive it around, no issue. So word to the wise, um, either do a battery disconnect where you can turn the thing or have a switch. I know Pat Tien, he recently said, hey, Jay, I saw you got a circuit breaker on there that you're going to use for your air suspension and your little Bluetooth stereo thing. You could put another one of those in the 6465. You could put another one, and I'll talk about that in the future, where uh, all the power goes into the car. You could, you know, hypothetically just put another one of those little circuit breakers over by your solenoid, and then when you pop the hood each time, just, you know, push the button, and then you break that circuit. So no power's going in there. So that's going to have even less stuff that could draw. So. I may do that, but at the end of the day, I'm going to keep the battery tender connected. And here's what I wanted to announce. I've hinted at this a little bit, a big announcement coming. And I think some people were like, oh, they're going to be new parts. Is it going to be something like that? It's, you know, it's no new parts, nothing I'm making, nothing I've been able to really, you know, help the industry move forward with like Pat did, you know, with the aluminum radiators. But what I'm here to announce is I bought another car and it's going to really help uh, the channel and the podcast continue to grow. There's going to be so much to talk about. I'm not going to give a lot of the details right now. All I can tell you is it is a 65 that ties directly into this episode, Lincoln Continental, for 1965. If you would have asked me six months, a year ago, five years ago, would I ever own this car? I would have said there's no way. An opportunity came up, and it's a Southern California car. Original destination was Los Angeles area. Four, maybe three, four owner car. I think I'll be the fourth or fifth owner. Uh, some documented history there. Comes with a lot of awesome stuff. New old school this. New old stock this. New old stock that. Lots of literature great seller, somebody I built a relationship with over the past few years, just, you know, through the Lincolns, uh, believe it or not, started from the Lincolnforum.net and got to know him, you know, talked on the phone a couple times and, you know, he listened to the podcast. So thanks Robert and just all around great guy. And I saw the car come up for sale and I just could not believe it. Like my mind was blown. So I reached out to him and he kind of said, hey, here's kind of where I need to be at. And I was thinking to myself, okay. So basically what I'm going to do is one of the big things, some of you guys know, I want to do like a rental service where I would drive the car. It's here in the Tampa Bay area. You know, Tony and I have done a couple of these gigs before. You know, Tony's got a great fleet. I'll have now a fleet of two cars that I can offer uh, depending on the client. And uh, whether it's a music video or it's uh, a wedding, a prom, a parade, you name it, going to try to you know keep it wide open. And the great thing is this car really doesn't need anything but the air condition charged, steering column rebuilt, which it does have the tilt column, which is a cool feature. I talked about that earlier. But 
Um, it needs to have that rebuilt from a safety standpoint so it doesn't jump into reverse. And that's about it. So I'm super stoked. And I thank Robert. He's a listener. We're going to take care of this car. And um, I'll share more information on social media of the photos of the car and some of the things that have been done to it and some of the original things that still exist on this amazing 65 Lincoln Continental. So I'll also share the name of the car. We've already named it. It's a cool name. The wife helped me. So I think you guys are going to love it. With that being said, it's been about an hour. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to Lincoln Attic Podcast, episode 19. Uh, Just want to give a shout out to everybody out there. Enjoy these cars. Uh, I know if you work on them, they're a pain. But if you are an owner or a potential owner of one of these cars, they bring a lot of joy. They do bring a lot of grief. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But uh, seriously, get out there. I've helped a few people these past few years buy these cars and or sell them or acquire more. Uh, you can reach out to me, LincolnAtticPodcast at gmail.com. I'll do my best to get back to you. But, um, you know, from a tech standpoint, get out there to the LincolnForum.net. Also, Facebook pages, there's plenty of them out there. People always willing to help. And uh, big ups to DeviousCustoms.com. It's where I go for all of my custom part needs for these Lincolns. Thanks to Michael at Colorado Custom Wheels. And the team at Steel Rubber. Sealed with steel is the way to go on these cars. The car that I just bought is sealed with steel, and that helped seal the deal. ODB, the Lincoln Addict, have a safe week. We'll hit you guys soon with another episode of Lincoln Addict Podcast. Peace. Styling refinements evolve naturally from the basic concept, always remaining true to it. Engineering advances hone the car's performance characteristics to a still finer edge. For example... Standard equipment on the Lincoln Continental in 65. Front wheel disc brakes. Big advantages. This caliber has pistons and pads, which when hydraulically operated, apply equal pressure to both sides of the disc rotor. Result? Superior stability for straighter, more uniform stops. Negligible fade and superior cooling. Less water effect. Water is thrown off by centrifugal force. You can easily demonstrate the disc brake principle by rotating a half dollar in the fingers of one hand and by braking or pinching the movement with the fingers of the other, like so. The Velvet Smooth Lincoln Continental Ride, made smoother than ever with Velvet Smooth stopping power. Steering is smoother too, quieter, with less pickup of road shock. Improved recovery after each turn. Effortless motion engineered into these and every structural component. You see it and feel it in the car's time-tested integral body construction. Silent strut rubber cushion front suspension. Shock absorbers with rebound control. Rubber cushioned isoclamp rear spring mounting. More than ever, this new car will leave your customers with a luxurious feeling of motion without effort. Effortless listening, too, with Lincoln Continental's newly designed radio improvements. Better tone quality in both AM and FM units. Instant push-button change for both bands. And a fully retractable, electrically operated antenna. Because Lincoln Continental owners have a unique and special pride in their cars, their suggestions for improvements are always welcome. From customer requests have come such refinements as a lighted speed control with automatic reset, better lighting of the transmission selector, a switch that when held in the bypass position allows lowering or raising of the windows without the ignition key and no loss of safety, all quality additions to motordom's symbol of quality, whether it be the stately Lincoln Continental sedan or the never-equaled convertible the only four-door made in the United States. Miles ahead of competition in every showdown. Roomier, more comfortable by far. Easier exit and entry. Sleek and clean-limbed as a panther, top up or top down and flush with a deck.
Continental is the big, roomy luxury car that again in 65 will be motordom's symbol of quality. An automobile and a tradition. <laughs>